Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Carving It Up Live right here on Twitter, as well as the Carving It Up YouTube channel and the Grid Network YouTube channel. As always, I'm Bryson Carver, and week one's here. We had a lot of games. Um, I am still trying to process what happened to uh, to my Pittsburgh Steelers yesterday. It was it was no fun. Um, <laughs> it was, I'll give a reaction to that in my third segment. I'll just I'll just I'll just put that put it that way by the way Eagles Patriots I figured it'd be a, a, a more fascinating game than maybe some some might think I actually did see although I saw a lot of people predicting uh Patriots plus four betting Patriots plus four those who did that man my condolences to you because that's that's got to be especially that two-point conversion of the fourth quarter you got to be just kicking yourself right now uh, I'll talk about the Eagles and the Patriots by the way people are freaking out and overreacting to Mac Jones they're not overreacting as much to Jordan Love but this almost made carving up the context, but I'm like, I'll, I'll just save carving up the context for Wednesday. This um, this needs a little bit of context in terms of what he did yesterday against the Chicago Bears. I'll discuss that. Also, Dolphins, Chargers, probably the big game of the day yesterday in Los Angeles. Unbelievable quarterback duel between Tua and, uh, and Justin Herbert. And a factor in that football game that it goes back to something I've said all offseason that is the most under-talked about, under-discussed, rather, uh, subject regarding football, and particularly in the National Football League. Getting into that. Also, I'll, I'll give, like, little reactions to the other games I don't do whole segments on. And, uh, by the way, a little take on Team USA, uh, who did not medal in the FIBA basketball tournament, but this is going to be overwhelmingly, of course, a football show. And, of course, the end of the show, the, 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 the marquee matchup of Week 1. The Jets... The Bills, Monday Night Football, Aaron Rodgers Jets debut, real Jets debut, not that, not that preseason game against the Giants. It's the real thing. It's gonna be fun. Looking forward to it. But first, oh wow, um, the Dallas Cowboys won forty to nothing last night. I'm sure you've heard by this point. Looked pretty good, particularly on the defensive side of the ball and on special teams, which is where the game really kicked off for Dallas. Uh, I mean, Giants get the ball first. Saquon Barkley's running it down the field. It's Daniel Jones looks fine. He's a little bit, uh, he, he gets some uh, some yards on some of those scrambles. You're like, okay, you know, Giants putting some together offensively. Good little game plan. Then they have a penalty, then a sack that pushes them back from field goal range. And then Dallas gets a kick block, returns it all the way for a touchdown. You know, again, up to that point, you're like, okay, this might be an interesting Sunday night game. I took Dallas to win and to cover and to win by double digits. Obviously, I could have never in my wildest dreams envisioned this happening because this. I know a lot of people are bagging on the Giants today. I'll, I'll get to that. Uh, to me, this had way more to do with Dallas being really good and maybe better than a lot of people thought coming into the season. Certainly, I don't think any of us, including myself, saw 40 to nothing coming. Even the, the, the biggest Cowboys fan didn't see this. But... Again, my biggest takeaway overall from uh, from this game is obviously Dallas' defense. And listen, under Dan Quinn over the last three years, they've gotten progressively better. They drafted well, obviously starting with Micah Parsons. That's where it all starts and ends with Dallas' defense. He was unbelievable. He had a, I, I, they, they gave him a sack. I think it was just one sack. Um, I, I thought it, it sounded like more than that. I thought it sounded like more than that uh, for uh, – or it looked like more than that for for the Giants and for Daniel Jones uh, than than what Michael Parsons did to them, uh, but he had six pressures. He 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 looked good, but I thought overall for um, for Dallas, it was the thing that stood out to me comparatively to to some of the contenders in the NFC. They were absolutely flying around the field. 
That was probably the fastest Dallas Cowboys defense I think I've ever seen. Again, the only comparison I can think of is San Francisco the last couple of years. San Francisco back in 2019. Uh, some of those Pittsburghs, you know, trying to get some positive Steelers takes in on the show today because there's not that many, so I'm trying to sneak them in. But some of those Steelers back in the day, defenses back in the day with Troy Polamalu, that's what it reminds me of. I'm not going to go to Legion of Boom. I'm not going to go to 85 Bears. Let's, 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 not, let's not go too crazy after one week. But Dallas, again, they were just better athletes and more fast than the Giants were. And it isn't like the Giants are devoid of good players. Darren Waller's a dang good tight end. I didn't think they used Jalen Hyatt enough, but Jalen Hyatt's one of the fastest players in football. Saquon Barkley is no scrub. He didn't just forget how to play you know, running back. This, to me, had more to do with Dallas playing well. And again, I know a lot of Giants fans are, and even Cowboys fans, NFL fans, are ripping Daniel Jones to shreds today. And listen, I'm not going to sit up here and act like Daniel Jones play well. You look at the Daniel Jones numbers, they're about as bad as it gets. 15 for 28, only positive for him as he completed over 50% of his passes. 104 yards, two picks, one was really bad to Stephon Gilmore. Uh, pass rating of 32 to QBR 0 to 100 of 8. So he, it was a bad, I mean, Tyrod Taylor threw two passes in garbage time, had a higher QBR than Daniel Jones. That's not great. In all honesty, though, watching that game, Dallas had over 20 pressures. Given how it felt like every time Daniel Jones lined up and shotgun took the snap, there was somebody coming on the interior. Sometimes it was Parsons. Sometimes it was Odigizua who had two sacks, I believe. Sometimes Demarcus Lawrence was getting in, in there. Uh, uh, Dante Fowler was coming out the edge, had a big night. Listen, I'm not a Daniel Jones fan. <laughs> I never have been. I thought the $40 million contract he got was insanity. I didn't know, as I've been saying all offseason, sent on my buddies, uh, the Cowboys Camp Fan Show. Check their show out. They had a blast last night, obviously. Uh, a lot of crack if you got them were, 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 were shouted, of course. But I said on their show, been saying all offseason, I didn't know 15 touchdown passes awarded you a $40 million a year contract. That's neither here nor there. I'm not so sure Patrick Mahomes would have put the, put the Giants in position to win that game last night. He probably wouldn't have gotten shut out because he's Patrick Mahomes. He's the best quarterback on earth. But I swear, it felt like every single time Daniel Jones took the snap, somebody was in his face. And so for Dallas, if this is, listen, you're going to have games where you're not as good defensively. Dallas plays, obviously, much better offenses, such as San Francisco. Philadelphia will get it right. That was a rainstorm. I'll get to the Eagles later in the show. Uh, you've got the Chargers, who are good offensively with Justin Herbert. You got some teams down the pipe that, are, that, can, that can score on you. But if you keep this up, you're not going to shut everybody out, obviously. But if you keep something similar to this up, turning the football over, getting to the quarterback. Again, the Giants' offensive line, while young, isn't bad. They looked incompetent last night. And sometimes greatness can do that to you. Dallas is in that conversation. With Pittsburgh, with San Francisco, at least those are the top three defenses in my view. I'll be up. My Steelers didn't show it yesterday. I believe we'll show it the rest of the year. Dallas is in that discussion to be one of the best defenses in the NFL. And that is something that... Again, we talk the, – all, all the stories this offseason has been about Dak, has been about McCarthy, been about obviously them adding Brandon Cooks, how this offensive line going to look, trying to bounce back from a, a down season last year. No Zeke. C.D. Lamb trying to have another back-to-back -back year. You know, trying to place Dalton Schultz, which I don't think is that big a replacement, but that's neither here nor there. We forget about the defense, but again, for Dallas, and now this sort of transitions me to Dak – a lot of folks are kind of going at Dak today, and folks know I'm the resident Dak Prescott defender in all of sports uh, media, podcasting and otherwise. Was Dak mind-blowingly good? No. Why would the Dallas have to ask him to be? 
I mean, before Dak touched the football, the Cowboys were up six to nothing. Before he touched the ball, before, before the Cowboys offense took the field, they're up six to nothing. Led him to a field goal drive. Dallas defense ended up getting a pick six off the Saquon Barkley uh, drop. I think that was Bland, Deron Bland, who made the play there to pick it off and return it for a touchdown. If you're Dallas, your defense is playing lights out. Why in God's name would you have asked Dak to you know, throw it all over the yard? You know, it's kind of like uh, the kid who gets everything he wants for Christmas, but like that one thing, and he, he whines and pouts because he didn't get that one thing and totally ignores. He, he's got like nine things on his Christmas list, and it's it's like, boy, this this kid's a this kid's a brat. Like, are you, are you kidding me? Are we like if that's if that's kind of the way we're nitpicking again? I if, if we're going to criticize anybody, it probably should be the New York Giants uh, and, and and you know the game plan. And by the way, to defam, defend Brian Dable. He was bringing tight ends to try and ship the, the defensive on the edges. It still wasn't working. So you essentially had six blockers. Sometimes he had Saquon back there. Not as much as I would have liked, but sometimes he did. They were flying over the field. That was as impressive a defensive performance from Dallas uh, as, as you could possibly ask for. I'm not going to act like the Giants are just a bunch of world beaters. But man. They look good, and they look every bit like a team that I predicted to get to the Super Bowl. Said before this year, uh, obviously, I'll get to San Francisco, Pittsburgh. San Francisco, look, Francisco looked awesome, uh, much to my chagrin, as they were. <laughs> it's so ironic they were the finalists with my Steelers, then they come in and, and mop the Steelers. Thankfully, though, for Dallas, thank you Cowboys, a team I used to be a fan of until 2020. Thank you Cowboys for, you know, for for ensuring the fact that Pittsburgh didn't have the worst performance of the day. Which you could argue Cincinnati probably the worst performance. Then in Seattle, we'll get to some of these games later on. But uh, oh wow, what a performance for Dallas! They were spectacular. Uh, and I, again, I, I don't think I don't think there's any reason to to go at Dak or the offense. It's kind of like Dak and, and really Mike McCarthy in particular. Mike McCarthy, after a while, kind of treated this like it was. You know, say you're Ohio State, and, or, or like the, the Texas game. By the way, Texas beat Alabama. Texas played Rice for the week before. I watched that game. They look shaky as a 30-something point favorite against Rice. Why is that? Well, you, you got Steve Sarkeesian. He's not going to give Nick Saban real legit plays on tape. It's going to be a milk and milk toast type game plan. Not going to show anything flashy. You're going to say that for Alabama. Once Mike McCarthy saw the Cowboys defense doing what they're doing, he's like, why on earth would I want to just throw the ball over the field? That's part of the issue with Kellen Moore. And why I was totally in favor of Dallas moving on from him is that so often Kellen Moore will be all about putting up points and trying to, to make the offensive numbers look good instead of just you can play conservative. And I'm, I'm typically not a play conservative guy, but if you're up 26 nothing, 33 nothing, there's no reason to take any massive shots. By the way, Dak didn't get the didn't get the benefit of the doubt on some drops uh, by some of his tight ends, but listen, it's it's crappy conditions. It's wet. It's rainy. It happens. Uh, that's something that's catching the football is obviously very easily correctable. That's why I don't want to overreact to what Kadarius Tony did last Thursday, but that's where it's at. So for Dallas, the statement win of the NFL season, very young NFL season, of course, thus far. Again, I don't want to act like the Giants or the Kansas City Chiefs, but this was a playoff team that added offensive pieces and they shut them out. I get it was a rainstorm, but that was impressive. My gosh, we have a lot of comments. People are, I'd say, love or hate the Cowboys, man. They draw an audience, and they, that's why people laugh at them. Why are they America's team? They haven't won in 28 years. You check Cowboy game ratings. You check the, 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 the strong opinions, positively or negatively, for Dallas. You know, today it's either they're going to the Super Bowl, they're going to go undefeated, or uh, they're overrated, uh, they're going to choke at the end of the playoffs. They draw strong opinions. That's why Jerry Jones, I've criticized him as a, as a GM. Man's the best marketer in the NFL. I don't think it's particularly close. 
Patrick Brown, big Cowboys fan, pure dominance by my Cowboys defense. You don't say. He said, Danny Pennies was running for his life all night long. Again, I, I'm not, well, let me get to this comment too. Parnell, uh, also here at the grid, uh, Commanders fan, uh, he says, $40 million for Daniel Jones. I had the Cowboys winning this game, but not this. Let's wait and see with the Cowboys down the road. That's fair. But to the to the Dan- Daniel Jones part, again, I don't look. If Daniel Jones plays this bad next week against Arizona, now now we got a discussion. Now we're talking about man. That he, he, last year really was a mirage. Brian Dable really did get all all of, of Daniel Jones he could possibly get. You know, but against arguably the best defense of football, who was in his lap seemingly every play. I'm not going to overreact too much. Uh, Barry, another big Cowboys fan, in all caps, by the way, for the podcast audience. We in the building. Dallas Cowboys. Your boy Dak needs to get it together. Looks like crap, Prescott. We here to pillage. And that's, he said you're a Dak apologist. No, I'm just a Dak truth teller. Uh, again, if, if Kansas City was was in this position, I mean, I, I remember, I, I can think of a lot of Kansas City Chiefs blowouts where Andy Reid didn't just open up the playbook for the whole NFL to see. Why did Mike McCarthy do that? I Dak Prescott do that. I mean, they, they noticed that the shots Dallas took in the game all came early. They took some shots to CD Lamb. Remember, they took one. Was it might have? It was either to Brandon Cooks or Michael Gallup. They took another shot. There's no reason that it, it, it's a. They treated doubt. They treated uh, the Giants like Texas treated Rice. Once Dallas built that lead, why on earth would they have to ask Dak to be Superman? There's no reason for that. No reason whatsoever. Uh, let's see. Uh, Parnell says incompetent with the Giants is an understatement. Yeah. Let's give Mike McCarthy credit for his play calling. Again, I, I'm with you, Parnell, and I think it's... Look, if Dallas, if Dak throws for 150 yards next week, he gets the Jets and the Cowboys lose, you know, 20 to, to 13, that's a conversation. But I'm not going to... Again, why, why would you be aggressive when... There's no reason to be aggressive. You're not. You're not. You're not going blow for blow. It's not like Daniel Jones going up and down the field, and you have to put up points. You don't have to. Barry, Captain Small Hands had no shot talking about Daniel Jones. GM for the Giants is asleep at the wheel. Offensive line looks like a conga line. Giants fans are hiding today, and I'm looking for all of them. Man, I feel bad for our buddy Eric. Uh, Eric, who's uh, one of the hosts of the Outside the Cage podcast here on the grid, check please check their show out. They do a great job. Um, big Giants fan, in in you know in the Cowboys fans' defense, Eric was talking a lot of crap this week, and um, he's got tail between the legs today. I think it's safe to say. Barry says, "I agree with you on Kellen Moore. Get that idiot brain out of here too." We definitely agree there. And Patrick says, "My oh Micah, he was spectacular. He was spectacular. Uh, he's he's gonna be right back in the discussion for Defensive Player of the Year." Unless my man Nick Bosa, Nick Bosa, um, TJ Watt has something to say about it. Three sacks yesterday. He was the only only bright spot for Pittsburgh. I cannot wait to get into the Steelers in the third segment. I'll I'll I'll, I'll get to that at some point. But statement win by Dallas, and they're one and zero. Have actually they this first time they're one and zero in the Mike McCarthy era. Fun fact. Be curious to see what uh, they look like moving forward. Big game next week against the Jets. Um, I cannot wait for that game tonight. By the way. Bills, Jets. Going to predict it at the end of the show, by the way. And, and by the way, speaking of predictions, uh, not a great week Week one thus far. That's, I think, two straight years that my week one predictions have been iffy at best. Seven and eight. In my defense, uh, I didn't anticipate Sean Payton going for an onside kick to start his Broncos tenure. I did not anticipate Matthew Stafford with no Cooper Cup throwing for basically 350 yards against a good Seahawks defense and Geno Smith in the offense not be able to get a first down in the second half. I think they only got one. Week one, week one's a guessing game. 
in my defense. Here's who was also a guessing game and who we're going to get to in the second uh, second topic. Jordan Love looked pretty good yesterday. As a matter of fact, Jordan Love thus far has the highest passer rating in all of Week 1 as the Packers went to Chicago and did what they tend to do, the Chicago Bears, and absolutely waxed them. 38-14 being the final score. Jordan Love vastly outplayed Justin Fields. If you look at the numbers, so I apologize, 38-20 to was the final score. Bears, you know, got that touchdown and, you know, at, at the end that meant absolutely nothing. Um... Jordan Love on the day, 15 for 27, 245, three touchdowns, no picks. QBR of 73, pretty good. Pass rating of 123, very good. Actually, best of the weekend. Fields, on the other hand, 24 for 37, 216, a touchdown, a pick. QBR of 21, and a pass rating of 78. So he had a rough afternoon. Fields also had 59 yards rushing. Um, Love had 12. So I have been, and Packers fans have really been getting on me over the last couple of weeks to a month about my skepticism of Jordan Love. Basically, my take was, okay, if he was so good, then why is why with an old Aaron Rodgers who became a headache for the Packers, why is he still backing up Aaron Rodgers? Why are we barely getting to see any glimpses of him whatsoever at practice and games, whatever the case may be? Maybe they just want to hide him to surprise the league. I don't know. The Falcons did the same thing with Desmond Ritter, and Desmond Ritter looked, eh, at best. Yesterday against Carolina. But be that as it may, Jordan Love played very well. Here's and here's here's why I I think we're we're overreacting a little bit today because again he did have the best pass rating he made some key throws on big third down fourth down situations the throw to uh, the tight end I'm forgetting the tight end's name they they drafted uh, number 88 was really played well could be be a real weapon uh, for Mr Love uh, Luke Musgrave yeah Luke Musgrave who had that big catch uh, was. I don't think any receiver in football is more open than he was in that one play in the fourth quarter when Love dropped the snap and then off his back foot just fl- uh, you know flung it up in the air and Luke Musgrave essentially fair caught it uh, so to speak and the Packers ended up scoring on that drive. Third down situations he was great. Fourth down situations he was great. But what I loved what Jordan Love did was not just the the fact that he didn't turn the football over. It's the fact that he played within the offense. Again, but we go to a larger point that, I, again, I, I'm not willing to buy in him quite yet as a true franchise quarterback. As the Packers' future, the heir apparent to Aaron Rodgers, who is the heir apparent to Brett Favre, and continuing this great lineage of great Packers quarterback play. Um, Chicago's defense is awful. And if you remember, over the last month when I was doing this this sort of series on each division, Every team's biggest strength and biggest weakness for Chicago, I'm like, man, their defense is in a complete rebuild. And we, when we think about Chicago Bears, we think great defense, obviously think 1985, tough. Mike Ditka, 2006, I think it was, the defense led him to the Super Bowl. Brian Erlacher, folks, the, the, this this Bears defense is not your, your parents' Bears defense. It's terrible. If you look at their numbers from last year, and they didn't really improve this offseason whatsoever. Last season, the Bears, fourth worst in yards given up per game, worst in points given up per game. Sixth worst in red zone defense and worst in yards given up per play. So this is a bad Bears defense is going to struggle throughout the season. And I worry that Justin Fields would have to win shootouts and not to defend Fields because he didn't play well. Um, But listen, the Packers gave Love a clean pocket. They gave him a solid running game. Aaron Jones, uh, obviously, that was that was a running play, but Aaron Jones had the breakaway touchdown uh, in the third quarter that really kind of started to blow it open for Green Bay. The thing I worry about, though, with Jordan Love is if you look at the Packers, uh, their schedule moving forward. So they got Atlanta next week. They're actually a one-point road favorite, which I think is interesting. Uh, Atlanta's offense looked, eh. Uh, certainly the pass game looked, eh. Uh, the de- defense played well, albeit against Bryce Young. Then they got New Orleans. We saw what New Orleans did to Tennessee yesterday with DeAndre Hopkins. 
Then they got Detroit. Look what Detroit did to Kansas City. The Raiders, I'm not going to overreact to the Raiders holding Russell Wilson to 16. That's to be expected. Uh, Then they got the Broncos. Broncos got a good defense. The Vikings. Vikings have an improved defense. The Rams. Look what the Rams did to Geno Smith yesterday. Then they got my Steelers. Then they got the Chargers. That may not be as tough of a defense as I thought. Detroit again. Kansas City has a better defense than people give them credit for. So there's some tough defenses for Green Bay down the road here um, that I worry about if once teams and once defensive coordinators start to get film on Jordan Love, if they can adjust to. Um, his arm doesn't blow me away. He's, he's, accuracy was a, a little bit of a concern at times early in his development. Didn't seem to be a problem yesterday. Uh, again, Chicago's defense, I'm not quite sure what, what their game pl- plan was given the fact that Christian Watts was out, Romeo Dobbs went off. Uh, so listen, for Green Bay, this was a situation where Jordan Love wasn't uncomfortable. He wasn't a situation where he had to single-handedly win the game for Green Bay. And look, that's for quarterbacks, that's the best-case scenario. Getting a sit back there with time, deliver the ball on time and on target to his wide receiver, to, to, to a guy's wide receivers. But that's not always real life in the NFL. That's something that, as time progresses, is not going to always be the case for Jordan Love. But give him credit. He did his job. He did what was asked, for, asked of him. And uh, he certainly outplayed Justin Fields. There's no question about that. And uh, I will have to say, I, 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 do, I do owe the Packers an apology in this regard. They're Packers fans. I don't owe the Packers fans an apology about Jordan Love. We've only seen one, one game of him as the true franchise quarterback. Got to see a long list of games from here on out. And I still owe the Packers will be six. I still think they're going to be six and 11. That's not here or there. Uh, for, for Packers fans, I do want to apologize to you in this regard for picking the Chicago Bears. And obviously yesterday, I think, showed that it is not just Aaron Rodgers who owns the Bears and is part owner, but it is the Green Bay Packers and the city of Green Bay, Wisconsin, as a whole, who owns the Chicago Bears. That was that was bad. Chicago hasn't won a game in 11 months. Probably should have taken that more into consideration when I had them going 8-9. I don't... It wasn't good. Patrick Brown in the comments. It's going to be a long year for Chicago. They got to patch up that offensive line, which they tried to, and they, you know, they drafted Darnell Wright. To their credit, last year uh, or th- this past draft, so they're they're trying to address it. But I didn't think Chase Chase Claypool. You watched tape on Claypool. He was uh, wasn't just the fact that he was awful. It was the fact that his effort on some of these plays. We'll get to an effort play, by the way, in Foxborough later in the show. But it was the fact that his effort plays were. What is he doing? I mean, it's, it's like he wasn't even committed to the game at all. It's like he was just going in slow motion. It was it was rough. So. Again, props to Jordan Love. I'm not gonna. I don't think we need to overreact to, to one game against probably the worst defense in the National Football League. Uh, I, I got to see more, you know, moving forward. But good win for the Packers, though. Uh, by the way, I, speaking of Green Bay, and this is why I say I should have probably prefaced the show with this because this is exactly what I'm trying not to do. Given that it is Week One, this is why I didn't panic on Daniel Jones the way most are today. I don't think Daniel Jones is the top 20 quarterback in the NFL. I've been very clear about that. I think we kind of know what he is. He's not that bad. The Cowboys' defense is just that good. That's what it, that's what it is. Danny made some mistakes, but that's that's to be expected against once again a, a great Cowboys defense. But I'm seeing today. We what do I, what do I what do I say leading into Week One? The two biggest overreaction Mondays in the NFL: the day after Week One, the day after the Super Bowl. That's because now the Cowboys are going to shut everybody out, go undefeated. Giants are going to be in the Caleb Williams sweepstakes. They suck. You know the pack. I mean, I saw today. I saw someone say today the Packers can get to the NFC Championship. No, they cannot. They cannot beat Dallas. They cannot beat San Francisco. I don't think they can beat Philly. They cannot beat Detroit. They couldn't beat Detroit with Aaron Rodgers. Last year, when they weren't as good and the defense was terrible, 
I mean, those four teams alone are clearly better. Clearly better than Green Bay. It's not even a, it's not even a discussion. Come on now. Let's, let's, not, let's, not, let's not get over our skis here. I think the Saints are better. No doubt. Okay. Uh, I, I had to... Let's see. What, what do we got here? Okay. So, let me take a drink of Gatorade first. As a Steelers fan, yesterday was not an enjoyable experience. Uh, first game, actually, as as a Steelers fan, as y'all know, back in July, I officially announced them as my lifelong NFL favorite team. And as it turns out, it came down between the Pittsburgh Steelers and the San Francisco 49ers. Now I'm thinking, man, got two historically great franchises, some great quarterbacks have played there, and great defenses, great coaches. And my favorite segment of the week, y'all, y'all know this by now, and has been for the last couple of years or so, my favorite segment on Carving Up is called... What are I a betting man? It's called If I Were a Betting Man. I take pride in that segment. And it's a segment that I struggled mightily in in 2022. It's one I looked about looked to bounce back in. And the good news is we still got 16 weeks left and the playoffs. So don't want to overreact too much. It is just week one. Not only did I take the Steelers plus two, I took them to win outright. And um, you could tell pretty darn immediately that it was not going to be a good day for the Steelers offense. Now, the Steelers' defense, I'm not going to be too brutal on because, again, I, I think it was Barry who alluded to it in the comments and, and some have alluded to today. I'm seeing a lot of people talk about, ah, Brock Purdy, he's just playing in Kyle Shanahan's system. I mean, he's not really that good. But Brock Purdy is an excellent quarterback. Is he elite? No. Is he top 10? Certainly not. But is he good enough given the pieces around him to win the Super Bowl? You betcha. If you look at Brock Purdy and what he did yesterday, he is perfectly suited for that Kyle Shanahan offense in a way that Jimmy Garoppolo and Trey Lance simply weren't. Garoppolo was accurate, but not mobile. Lance was mobile, but not accurate. Purdy's both. Purdy's like the the in-between type of area. Some of those throws, especially on third down, which were just a punch to the gut every time. San Francisco, what was San Francisco's third down numbers yesterday? Because it, it felt like every time, and these aren't third and short situations. These are third and sevens, third and eights that San Francisco continuously converted on. San Francisco in this game, a 6-for-13 on third down. It felt like they were 12-for-13 on third down. They were just constantly, constantly you know, efficient. By the way, converted a fourth down as well in that game. But Brock Purdy, who I've, and again, this, the silver lining I look at to this game, obviously as a Steelers fan, is like, well, at least I was right about Purdy. <laughs> I mean, I, I, listen, I've liked this kid ever since he made his first appearance against the Miami Dolphins in relief of Jimmy G. Uh, I liked him even more as the season got on. By the way, Fun stat here, if you're a 49ers fan, a Brock Purdy fan, I am a, a Purdy fan. Brock Purdy is the first quarterback in NFL history to start 6-0 and in regular season games and throw at least two touchdown passes in all of them. So this isn't a situation where it's just, get Purdy out of the way. No, he's making tough throws. On the run, in the pocket, outside the pocket. Again, his talent, we, we, we are so often just married to mind-boggling talent and physical attributes. That's why, listen, that's why guys like Mahomes, and especially guys to me, like, how did Trevor Lawrence look yesterday? My Lord, that's the MVP of the league right there, as I predicted. Point is, we see guys like that, and we're like, okay, that's what a quarterback is supposed to be. There's different ways to be a quarterback. 
And Brock Purdy's way about being a quarterback is efficiency, accuracy, mobility, good leadership. The locker room in San Francisco absolutely loves him. So against the Steelers defense that did not give up 20 points at all in their last, I think it was six, seven games of last year, did not give up a 20-point game. And Brock Purdy came in there and hung 30 on him. Now, Christian McCaffrey had the big run. See, we Pittsburgh scores. I'll get to Pittsburgh in just a second. Pittsburgh, we score at the end of the first half. Mike Tomlin's aggressive on fourth down. We convert, and, and Kenny Pickett throws the touchdown to Pat Frymuth. I'm thinking, oh, here we go. We, we got something here. It's 20 to 7 at the half. If we can get a stop to start the second half, we get the ball, maybe get on a move. And then Christian McCaffrey breaks off the 65-yard run. I'm like, okay, that's 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 um that's 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 it. Okay. This is we're, we're starting 0 1. And what was what grinding my gears, especially when I went back and watched the watched the game, is the fact that this stat's kind of unbelievable. And it goes to show you how how far, and I'll get into this in a couple segments from now, how how important coaching is in the NFL. Here's a stat. This is from Ryan McChrystal. Want to give him credit. He says, Kenny Pickett got the ball, got rid of the ball in under two and a half seconds on only 34.8% of his passes yesterday. Only Patrick Mahomes had a lower rate in week one, according to True Media. On the other hand, Jordan Love, who played excellent, Release the football, get got rid of the ball in under two and a half seconds, 52% of the time. So 52% to basically 35%. I don't know if this is Matt Canada, the offensive coordinator, who I'll get to in just a moment. I don't know if it's Mike Tomlin. You are playing arguably the best defensive line in the National Football League with an offensive line that you have not been able to fix in a half decade. Why in God's name are you running plays that take a long time to develop you? It's not like a get the ball out of your hands, first read if it's not there. Pittsburgh's too good to be this bad. Listen, I understand, again, that's a Niners defense that is in the discussion to me with the Cowboys and with the Steelers, when the Steelers are on at least, as the best defense in football. They're not that good. And Pittsburgh's offensive pieces aren't that bad. We can have questions about Kenny Pickett. I certainly do after that performance. But George Pickens, you saw that. It didn't count, but he had a one-handed catch in the end zone. It made it look effortless. And I saw him make some of those catches. I saw him play uh, against my Vols in, in, in Neyland Stadium when he was with Georgia. He's, he's that type of freak athlete. Najee Harris is a good running back. Jalen Warren's a good skill position player. You, you could use him in, in the backfield and otherwise. You got uh, Deontay Johnson. You could Pat Fryermuth. You could watch Darnell Washington. Big six, seven tight end. You've got pieces to work with. It isn't like it's a bare cupboard like... Uh, I don't know. Think of think of that. It's like Arizona or something. And here's something too. And I'm not like I'll fire everybody after week one. But if Pittsburgh's offense doesn't go in a different direction, completely different direction, starting next week against a defense, we saw what they did to Joe Burrow in the Cleveland Browns next week. Uh, heads may have to start rolling in terms of offensive play calling in Pittsburgh. Here's here's Matt Canada, the offensive coordinator. And Steelers fans have been on him for a while now. I probably should have seen this coming. But Matt Canada's offense through the first 36 games at, of his tenure as the Steelers defensive coordinator. We've got the graphic right here. He has scored 20 points nine times in 36 games. He scored 30 in 36 games. Twice. And under him, the Pittsburgh Steelers have yet to go for 400 or more yards. They are the only team in football who can say that. New England's done it, given their awful offensive pieces. 
Chicago's done it. You know, Arizona's done it. Pittsburgh, last two years, including yesterday, zero 400-yard games on offense. I don't know if this is a philosophy by, by Mike Tomlin in the sense of, oh, we can just win with defense. Not in today's league, you can't. If Dallas's offense isn't good this year, I'm sorry. They're not getting past the divisional round. They're not. And I think Dallas's offense will be good. That's why I haven't gone to the Super Bowl. But you get my point here. And not to absolve blame from Kenny Pickett because I didn't think he played well at all. I think he missed. I thought he missed some some layup throws. The pick, the pick he threw to to Ward when he overthrew uh, Deontay Johnson. It was, a, it was a terrible read. He forced it into in, in, into tight coverage. Not sure what he's thinking there, but that's that's a decision he made. I don't know if this is a, just a coaching problem, a quarterback problem, or both. But you saw T.J. White yesterday. He was flying all over the field. He was excellent. The Niners' offense certainly had plenty of success. The defense had its moments. They forced turnovers. They forced another near turnover when when Purdy fumbled and somehow got it back. Folks, the Steelers' offense did not have a first down until after the two-minute warning. A first down with long, developing plays. By the way, with a second-year quarterback. Again, Purdy's second year. Pick a second year. By the way, one was, and you guys know I love Purdy, as I just said. I'm sturdy Purdy. That's my guy. But one guy was picked in the first round. One was Mr. Relevant. Last pick of the draft. Who looks like they've developed more? One is Kyle Shanahan. The other is Matt Canada. This could be a, a real, real story for Pittsburgh moving forward. Uh, and <laughs> I hope it isn't the case, but very well could be. Uh, it's something I'm genuinely concerned about as a, as a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. No question about it. Uh, let's see. Patrick Brown says, Niners picked up where they left off against Pittsburgh. Uh, P2, Patrick Peterson, talked about picking off Pickett. Uh, I think you mean picking off Purdy and ended up getting a touchdown scored him. Yep, it was a touchdown to Brandon Ayuk, who had a big, big day. Uh, had a couple touchdown passes through the air. Yeah, it was a, it was, it was a rough day for me as a Steelers fan. It was, it was, no, it was no fun. I, I, I got to admit to you all, it was no fun. John Rivera, J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. That game I will predict at the end of today's show. John John is a big Jets fan. They've got a lot of hope today, a lot of hope. See if they get off to the right start tonight on Monday Night Football. But, man, that was that was depressing. I'm not going to lie to you. All of a sudden, week two is not a must-win game because it's just week two. Um, Pittsburgh has some favorable, favorable games on their schedule. Listen, it's not like you're getting a, a week off going from San Francisco's defense to Cleveland's defense and Miles Garrett. That's gonna be that's next Monday night. So they get an extra Tomlin, Canada get an extra day to prepare. I'm very, very curious about whether or not Canada will simplify the offense. Gives he's got to realize Ben Roethlisberger, albeit he was old, inefficient, and very much past his prime. But he was a veteran. He was a smart quarterback. He knew how to how, how plays were going to develop and how that all went down. Kenny Pickett's young. Simplify the offense. Make things. And playing quarterback in the, in the NFL is hard enough. You might as well have your OC at least make it a little bit easier, given the fact you have playmakers everywhere. And at the offensive line, which I said coming into the season was the, was the weak unit of this football team, if the offensive line isn't good, just, just uh, death by a thousand cuts. You know, if, if you want to take the occasional shots, George Pickens, hey, that's a great guy to take a shot to down the field. But don't be don't be running these long, developing plays where Pickett has to scale the field. Now here comes Nick Bosa. Here comes Eric Armstead. You know, here comes that, that I'm forgetting his name, the interior defensive lineman the, the Niners got from Philadelphia. Here, here he comes. So that's that's something that Pittsburgh's going to have to adjust to, and they, did, they really didn't in the second half. 
And so you compare that to like what Jordan Love is dealing with in Green Bay where LaFleur simplified the offense, quick read. If the first read's not there, then the play's dead, we move on to play two. Whereas Kenny Pickett, okay, here's one, here's two. He, he's, he's, not, he's not to that stage of, of development in his career yet. I mean, there are backups in the NFL who are more developed in that regard. So that's something Pittsburgh's got to adjust to. So yeah, yeah, needless to say, yesterday was not fun. I'm not moving off my pick of the Steelers getting to the playoffs. Uh, listen, I believe in pick integrity, and I'm not going to just abandon it after one week. Although Pittsburgh got some unfortunate news today. Cameron Hayward, who's been a, a staple in Pittsburgh, is going on IR with a, I think it was a, was it a hamstring injury? I forget what it was. Uh, but he's, he's, he's on IR, so he's gone at least the next four weeks. So not a good day to be a Steelers fan, especially a new Steelers fan. First ever game did not, uh, not exactly go as planned. Not at all. It was okay. Let's move on. I don't want to talk about it anymore. Real quick, and I mean super fast, and then we'll get back to football. So I saw in the FIBA tournament, uh, the FIBA World Cup, where Team USA failed to medal. Uh, they you know, played Canada in the third place game. Mikael Burgess had hit a crazy three off a missed free throw to, to tie the game. But Canada ended up beating us in overtime. Uh, and this is, by the way, the second straight FIBA tournament that Team USA hasn't meddled. A lot of people are freaking out today. Oh, Steve Kerr can't coach, and this team, Team USA is an embarrassment. The world's caught up to us. Oh, my God. First of all, folks, uh, I hate to, I hate to sound like a, a typical, <laughs> a typical, arrogant American, uh, but uh, we don't care about FIBA tournaments. We care about the Olympics. Have you seen? A new report came out from the great Sham Sharania, as reliable an insider as there is. He reported this morning. LeBron James wants to represent Team USA at the Olympics in Paris next year and is spearheading a group of future Hall of Famers, including Steph Curry, Kevin Durant. Other possible names include Anthony Davis, Jason Tatum, Draymond Green, Devin Booker, Damian Lillard, De'Aaron Fox, and Kyrie Irving. I'm here to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, that if the roster looks anything like what this report is talking about. Not only is Team USA going to win gold, they're not winning, they're not going to lose a single game. They're not. You got the sixth greatest player ever, still in his prime. I believe he's still, albeit at the back end of his prime, but I believe he'll still be in his prime a year from now. The same can be said about Kevin Durant. LeBron will be darn near 40 at that point, so he'll be more of like the, like kind of playing like a Magic Johnson type of role in terms of, of getting guys involved, scoring when he has to, when he gets the opportunity to. You got Jason Tatum, who's a 30-point-per-game guy. You got Damian Lillard, 30-point-per-game guy, one of the greatest long-distance shooters we've ever seen. Draymond Green, the jack-of-all-trades, probably going to be your best defensive player. Him, along with, I heard Jaron Jackson Jr. was was suggested. Um, Team USA cares about cares about the Olympics. We, 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 don't, we don't give a crap about no FIBA. Come on. With all due respect, if Tyrese Halliburton, who I really like, by the way, if Tyrese Halliburton is the third best player we got on, on, on our basketball team, we're probably not going to win. If we are relying on Austin Reeves, another guy I like, to, to be hitting huge shots down the stretch against some of the world's best talent, if we were sending that to the Olympics, oh, I'd be, I'd be mortified. I'd be very concerned about the Olympics next year. We're going to have the greatest player ever, the sixth greatest player ever, a top 15 player ever in Kevin Durant, and a back-to-back All-NBA guy in, in Tatum, the guy with probably the greatest handle ever in Kyrie Irving. Come on, man. What are we doing? What are we doing? So, Team USA is going to be just fine. 
a year from now. A little about, or I guess technically 10 months from now because the Olympics start, I think, July 26th of 2024 is when the Olympics kick off. Yeah, Team USA is going to be, we're going to be just fine. Don't worry about that. Okay, so we'll move on to this one because I really wanted to get into this Patriots-Eagles game. So first of all, I'm seeing a lot of people panicking about Jalen Hurts and the Eagles offense and panicking about the fact that Philly only won this game by five against New England. Uh, listen, first of all, winning in the NFL is hard. Winning on the road is even harder. Winning on the road in tough conditions with rain is hard. Winning on the road in tough conditions with a loud crowd who's there to see the greatest quarterback ever uh, being honored is even harder than that. I'm not that concerned about Philly. Who I really wanted to get to was old Michael McCorkle Jones. Old Mac Jones, who all the world, everybody everybody knows I, I'm not one of the biggest Mac Jones fan and fans really haven't been since he came into the NFL in 2021. 15th overall pick out of the University of Alabama. And Mac Jones, you look at Statlin, you're like, oh, man, he, he looked good. Look at that, 35 of 54, 316. Three touchdowns, a passer rating of 91, well above average. He looked good. Mac Jones, oh, here we go. Mac Jones, it's a new day in Foxborough, and it's a new day for the New England Patriots, and hey, mate, they just may make the playoffs. First of all, I want to move the mic back uh, and forward a little bit so I can, you can hear. I want to give a, a, a good golf clap. Congratulations to Mac Jones. For looking like an actual NFL quarterback. Took you long enough. Been waiting since his rookie year. Your rookie year. Welcome to the party. About time. Okay, uh, this is, you know what, I said we moved carving up, to, uh, carving up the context to Wednesday, but uh, you know what, screw it, let's just go and get into carving up the context right now. Here we go, roll the music. And on this week's edition of Carving Up the Context, we're going to talk about old Michael McCorkle Jones, who the whole NFL world is freaking out about. Let's talk about he's the, the, the franchise quarterback in New England. Year three is going to be a big one. Bill O'Brien has fixed Matt Jones, except when you consider the fact that they were playing a Philadelphia Eagles defense. That is excellent outside the numbers with Darius Slay, who we'll get into in just a moment. He had a pick six yesterday, by the way. And uh, uh, James Bradbury, the other corner, who is tremendous. By the way, Philadelphia Eagles defensive line, really good. Here's the problem. They are really, really thin at linebacker. And the back end of their secondary, well, they just so happen to be lo to lose their starting safeties from last year's Super Bowl. So they're weak up the middle, really good outside. Philadelphia is. So credit to Bill O'Brien, Bill Belichick. That's where they attacked. And that's where Mac Jones had a success. But the very second... The very second he had to throw outside and make some tough throws outside the numbers. You gotta have a little bit of arm strength to make these type throws now. You gotta have good precision on these plays. Here's what happened, and here's what Mac Jones had to do had to do with this pick six we're about to show you. So here is Mac Jones drops back. Awful pass here. Right to Darius Slay. Gets tipped, goes to Darius Slay. Here comes Mac Jones. Right there. 
Boy, what an effort. Look at that. Really going after after Darius Slay. Really trying to ensure that he doesn't walk in untouched for a touchdown to put Philadelphia up by two scores. By the way, Patriots lost this game by five. You think that play doesn't make a big difference? You think given how the Patriots defense played that maybe they wouldn't have gotten a stop and given themselves an opportunity maybe hold the Eagles three, maybe if they play well enough to hold the Eagles to a punt? There's one mistake Mac Jones made. And how about this? After all raving about, oh, Mac Jones lighting the world on fire. Had two opportunities to win the football game. How about this? So, Philadelphia, Jalen Hurts, and Jalen Hurts does not turn the football over. That is not, ever since his rookie year, like his, his rookie year, he struggled with turnovers in the limited action he got. But from second year and certainly last season, man doesn't turn the ball over. I don't know what happened here. I don't know if it was the ball was, ball was wet, he got hit, lost the football, and the New England Patriots get the ball where they got it down at. The Philadelphia 41-yard line with three minutes left in the game. We're thinking, oh boy, dang, New England may actually come back and win this, hand the defending NFC champion, champions their first loss, and hey, uh, Belichick may be back to being the genius we believed him to be, or some believed him to be. They run the ball for five with Zeke, and the Mac gets sacked. And the Mac, Mrs. Kendrick Bourne, and then he got a penalty on, on a uh, delay game on Mac. They go for him fourth and 17. And he misses on that. But fear not. The Philadelphia Eagles, I'll tell you, they were so mortified with what Mac Jones did to them. So scared. They get the ball back in good field position. It looks like they're going to go three and out and pump. But they say, you know what? We're either going to end the football game right here, despite the fact their offense has been pretty darn atrocious in the second half. We are going to go for it on fourth down, say either... We end the game here, or we know our defense is going to stop Mac Jones at the end. So they go for it. They don't convert. Uh, Jalen Hurts uh, misses uh, Devontae Smith on that play. And here's Mac Daddy Jones. Got the ball at his own 44 with a minute 48 left. Plenty of time. Over 100 seconds left. And the Philadelphia Eagles, Eagles get the stop. So any other quarterback... Holmes and Burrow. Heck, let's just look at, let's not even look at the, the, the elite top tier guys. Let's think about a guy like a Kirk Cousins who had a rough afternoon yesterday against Tampa Bay. If Kirk Cousins threw, and we'll, let's play the video again, threw a pick six, a tit, pick six to Darius Slay. And the reason it was a pick six is because he did not make a single effort to make a tackle right there. He's like, eh, I just let him run by, run by. If that happens, and then his defense gets a turnover, and then a turnover on downs around midfield with plenty of time left to win the football game, and he doesn't convert, misses some open receivers. Yeah, we're probably uh, we're probably bagging on Kirk Cousins today. By the way, there was a, a the, when New England scored to get it to uh, I think it was twenty five to twenty at that point. They shouldn't have gotten any points that drive if Hunter Henry doesn't make what was Sports Center's number one play of the day. It's a simple little slant right route for Hunter Henry at a big game yesterday. Mac Jones completely misses him. He's wide open. And Hunter Henry, who actually saw playing college at Arkansas against my Vols, Hunter Henry makes an incredible one-handed catch to keep the drive going, and New England ends up scoring. So pick six, in which he did not even make an attempt to stop the guy, just let him waltz into the end zone. For a touchdown, by the way, they lost by five. You don't think that seven points makes a difference? Probably does. Uh, and then the touchdown drive was set up by a way better catch than it was a throw. So a missed throw that he got lucky on. And then he gets stopped twice within the last four minutes of the game with a chance to win it. So I'm supposed to believe 
that New England, I'm sorry, yeah, New England and Bill O'Brien, who had a solid game plan, to his credit, has all of a sudden fixed Mac Jones. I beg to differ. Yes, he looked like an NFL quarterback. Good job. But uh, I don't think this is something that is exactly sustainable for the Patriots. By the way, they go to, do they go to Miami next week or is that a home game? I think that's a home game next week against the Dolphins, who Belichick literally cannot beat uh, over the last few years. Really, in the Tua era, Tua's got the, there's some, some teams have certain other teams' numbers. Like the Browns got Joe Burrow's number. He's one in five against them. Tua's got the Patriots' number. I don't know what his record is against them, but it's got to be pretty darn similar to what the Browns' record is against Burrow. So they hoist, uh, they, they host the Dolphins. I'll get to them in the next segment. Did you see Tua? Did you see Tyreek? Then they got the Jets the week after that. Great defense. Then they got the Cowboys after that. God only knows what the Cowboys defense is going to do to Mac Jones. I actually may feel bad for him that day. Then you got the Saints. Excellent defense. Then the Raiders. Eh. Bills, solid defense. Then Miami again. Then Washington, who has a solid defense. Colts. Uh, then you got the Giants, Chargers. Steelers have an excellent defense. Kansas City's got a good defense. Broncos got a good defense. Bills, solid defense. Jets, excellent defense. Crazy enough, <laughs> Philadelphia's defense might actually be their weak unit, which to a certain extent it kind of was last year, particularly against elite quarterbacks. And now with the fact that they lost their starting safeties in uh, you know in free agency during the offseason, and their linebacking core is incredibly thin. Props, by the way, good game plan. I'm not gonna I'm not you know I'm gonna give him credit for good game plan. Bill O'Brien attacked the middle of the field. Props to him. Mac Jones missed some throws even in that regard, but, you know, it was a good game plan. But, kind of like I said with Jordan Love, but to a far greater extent, because by this point we kind of know who Mac Jones is, Jordan Love's still kind of a mystery. These coordinators got film on old Mac Daddy. He's going to struggle. And the Patriots are going to. I, I love how, and I love, last thing before we move out of carving up the context, what I love is that the, the the Patriots bar has been set so low by this point that apparently, I wasn't aware of this. I don't remember talking about it and carving it up live. Please remind me if I did. But apparently there was a new rule that came into the NFL during league meetings this summer. I guess, at least that's what I'm hearing today because I'm hearing a lot of folks saying, hey, the Patriots almost won. It was a, a moral victory. So I didn't know. It was it was the Patriots are technically 0-0-1, right? Because they've got no wins. Evidently, no losses, and one moral victory. Completely ignoring the fact that Bill Belichick is now 25-27 and 27 without the guy who was honored yesterday in New England, Mr. Tom Brady. I'd be lying to you if I said it didn't take just a little bit of joy in that. And I'm a Brady fan. It was hard to root for the Patriots because I was, I was never a Belichick guy, but I love Brady. But ever since he left... uh He's kind of stuck with Mac, and uh, he hasn't had a whole lot of success with Mac or with Cam or with even Bailey Zappi. So the evaluation of Mac Jones' performance yesterday completely lacked all honesty, all objectivity, and all context. And that is what we do here on Carving It Up. We carve up the context. I rest my case. This is not, not a good performance by Mac Jones, okay? It's not. Uh, okay, so, by the way, this just came in. We got the news earlier today that DeMar Hamlin is going to be inactive tonight for Buffalo. Um, I'm not quite sure why. I know he's one of their backup safeties. 
I'm not real sure. Uh, my, can I be honest with you? You know why I think they're doing this? I think Buff doesn't. I think Buffalo plays the Raiders next week. I, th- I think they play the Raiders. I could be right, but I remember Buffalo's schedule. I'm pretty sure they play Vegas next week. Let me check super fast. Let's go to Buffalo. Buffalo's schedule. Hold on, y'all. ESPN's taking a minute here. My ESPN app. Yeah, they they, they host the Raiders. By the way, they're ten point favorites. That obviously could change one way or the other depending on how tonight goes. But they're ten point favorites against the Raiders. They host the Raiders. I think they may want Demar Hamlin's first game to be a home game. That's just my guess. Although, then you can make the case, well, wouldn't it be full circle after the near tragedy that happened in January to have him play his first game on Monday Night Football where Monday Night Football is where what happened, you know, what what happened in January happened. So, but anyways, DeMar Hamlin is uh, is inactive for tonight. Obviously, he'll he'll be in the building supporting his teammates when the Bills take on the Jets in about an hour and a half, and I will predict that game at the end of today's show. Buffalo, okay, they moved the lineup apparently. So, Buffalo's now a two and a half point favorite. So... I don't know if there's anything that's changed in that regard. Looks like, by the way, looks like weather could be another factor. Obviously, at MetLife Stadium, the weather was a huge factor. There was, it was rain was just pouring. It was darn near a monsoon uh, in 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 the Meadowlands. But let's see, do we have? Yeah, it looks like there's a flood watch in New York. So that that's that's something to keep your eye on. This could be if this is a ground and pound game. By the way, that could favor the Jets to a certain extent because I got Brees Hall, Dalvin Cook. But then again, the Bills, Josh Allen's kind of the run game. So, uh, Patrick says, Bills-Jets is likely a weather delay. There is lightning uh, in the area. Yeah, that's what I'm seeing. Because I know they had a shelter in place, and there was nobody at all on the football field. And, uh, yeah, I'm looking here. It says there's a there's a flood warning. And that it is a currently a thunderstorm. And this is just according to my weather app. Okay, so flood watch until 845. Flood watch until 845. I didn't know I'd be like a, a pseudo-meteorologist. <laughs> I'm carving up live today for a state that I don't even live in. But given the the gravity and the excitement of this game tonight, you know, sometimes you got to take on roles briefly, at least. I'm not going to compare myself to the great men and women who are, you know, do obviously fantastic work as meteorologists around this country. But, you know, just got to keep you on top of it the best way I can. Best way I can. Before we get to Chargers and Dolphins, I really want to discuss that game and kind of my biggest takeaway from that because it wasn't necessarily just the quarterbacks that I was looking at or even the defenses or whatnot. But let's look at other games around the NFL because it was a a jam-packed week one. So Ravens-Texans, Ravens, man, God bless J.K. Dobbins. The poor kid cannot stay healthy. Tours Achilles, MRI confirmed it today, so he's obviously done for the season. Uh, The good news for Baltimore is that they're very deep at running back, so I don't think it'll be a devastating loss to their offense. But man, it just you feel bad for the kid. He struggled with injuries the last few years, so prayers to him that he uh, prayers for him that he you know recovers fast. But uh, listen, Lamar and the offense looked choppy. It's to be expected, you know, to a certain degree. I I noticed that uh, Baltimore didn't take a whole lot of shots down the middle of the field. I think a, a big reason for that is Mark Andrews being out for this game. Once Mark Andrews comes out, it, it comes comes back, and he's the security blanket for Lamar Jackson, now that really opens up things on the outside for Zay Flowers, for Odell Beckham Jr., for Rashad Bateman. Uh, but listen, Baltimore took care of business. They cover the spread. C.J. Stroud, listen, it's his first start. It's a very good Baltimore Ravens defense. And uh, looked a little overwhelmed, but listen, it's his first start in the NFL. That's, that's kind of to be expected. Bengals-Browns. Um... I knew I should have listened to I, – I, I knew – now, I did take – to be fair, I did take Cleveland plus two. 
or two and a half, whatever it was. I did take them. I did take the Browns to cover the spread. I took the Bengals by one. Uh, but listen, it's in terms of how I count wins and losses, I count it simply based on did I predict the the outcome of the game correctly? In this case, I clearly did not. Listen, I don't know if I don't know what's in the water in Cincinnati, but that year after year. Seems like they try to address the offensive line, and they added Orlando Brown, and that was an addition that I was like, man, this is... I said last week, uh, last Friday in the show when I was predicting this game, man, nobody's talking about this. Orlando Brown, he's a Mahomes' left tackle. He was in Baltimore for, the, for that, I think, or I think he was in Baltimore. He's a good player. Now he's Joe Burrow's left tackle. He's secure there. I, they cannot protect the man. It's unbelievable. Now, a lot of, I know a lot of people are freaking out about Burrow and crushing Burrow. Hey, he became the highest-paid player in NFL history on Thursday or Friday, whatever it was, and he was terrible. He threw for, I think it was 82 yards, I think it was, under 50% completion percentage. He played bad. Listen, there was a lot of, and I'll get to this as we sort of go down the list of games, there was a lot of below-average offensive performances to darn near bad offensive performances and some good defensive performances. Why is that? A lot of defense is obviously their scheme evolved, of course. I'm not going to minimize it in that regard. But a lot of defense is just blowing you-know-what up. Just stop crap from happening. Offense is very, is, is it's kind of core. It's like a dance, almost. Right? you gotta, got got to get the steps right. If, if one, one person is off, it messes up the whole thing. Burrow, who was out basically off training camp with the calf injury. Uh, remember last year he had the appendectomy, so he started last season kind of slow. Not as bad as this, but he started slow through four picks against my Steelers. Didn't play particularly well against the Cowboys. And then from week three against the Jets on, he was great. And almost won MVP last year. So, listen, I think the Bengals' offense will be fine, but it's the offensive line, man. I, it's like they, they try to address it every offseason. They can't get it right. It's unbelievable. I, I don't know if I've ever seen anything like it in terms of – I mean, they're making the effort. It isn't like they're just leaving Burrow out there to dry like the Colts did with Andrew Luck, where the Colts just refused to put a legitimate offensive line in front of Andrew Luck to the point where he had to he had to walk away from the game after seven seasons. It's I I I don't know what's going on. By the way, not like this is breaking news or anything, but Miles Garrett is an absolute monster. I don't know. I wish I'd shown the I wish I had the clip on the show. Did you see the play <laughs> where Miles Garrett, who's a you know outside pass rusher, obviously. He's lined up on the interior, as Micah Parsons done that, does that from time to time. But he's lined up the interior, and the center, poor guy, he's watching Miles Garrett, who's probably the best physical athlete in the league. I mean, he's, he's, he's unbelievable. And you got Miles Garrett, who's, like, doing the crossover, pulling, like, a Kyrie Irving, like, hezzy between the legs, like a, an air, a fake basketball, an air basketball, and he comes in and just... You know, knocks Burrow to, to 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 his backside once again, as as was the case all afternoon in Cleveland. But uh, listen, timing was off for Cincinnati. Burrow, the receivers, they'll be fine. We, they have too good of a track record for us to completely write them off and say, ah, oh, they're 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 not contenders this year. They're contenders. Uh, the AFC North as a whole just had a, a really bad afternoon. Even the Ravens, who won, had a even the Cleveland. Now Cleveland was great defensively, offensively eh, wasn't too too patched up. But that that takes time. That's something that can be. Worked on, working on improved. Uh, Buccaneers versus Vikings. That was one of the su- more surprising games of the day. Uh, the only thing good with with Minnesota was their throwback uniforms. Those throwbacks were were kind of nice. But the thing that that caught my eye, and I'm watching this game. I'm watching particularly. I mostly watch the game in the second half because I I look at my phone. I get an update. Man, you look at uh, J- 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 Justin Jefferson. Ten targets, 139 yards. The first half, he's balling. He's looking like the best receiver in football. Although, as I'll talk about in the next segment, Tyree Kill. 
Ooh, he is, man, he's pushing Justin Jefferson for that position if he isn't there already. But Justin Jefferson balls on the first half. They're getting the ball. Second half, he gets two targets and has 11 yards receiving. What, what happened? Was it something Todd Bowles did defensively in terms of a scheme? Was it just Kirk Cousins not getting the ball to Justin Jefferson? Was it, man, it gets to the point in time where, I mean, Kirk threw that end zone pick at the end of the first half that was terrible. It gets to the point where things aren't going well for you offensively. Get the ball to your best player. And Minnesota didn't do that in the second half, and Baker played solid. Baker had a rough first quarter, first half in general, but led a couple scoring drives. Um, he, he, he looked good. Listen, little expectations for Baker. I don't. I still think Tampa Bay should be in tank mode. I think every win is is, is not a good thing for him. I think they should be in the Caleb Williams sweepstakes with Arizona, who's one up them, given the fact that they lost to Washington. Uh, let me actually speak of that game. Let me just get rid of that game quick. Uh, that was not an impressive performance by uh, by the Commanders. I thought that was going to be one of the few games that got out of hand pretty quickly because simply put, Arizona has virtually no talent outside of Buda Baker and Zach Ertz and uh, Jonathan Gannon. We we saw that. Uh, we saw that. We saw that speech. You have fire in your gut. Well, it came down to the last drive. My man Joshua Joshua Dobbs. He he played hard, but just you know, I, I, I love Space Dobbs, but I don't, I don't. I think it's safe to say he's not the quarterback long term in Arizona. But the man is a freaking genius. Okay, he's a uh, aerospace engineer major. Whenever his football days are over, that dude was going places. There's no doubt about it. It's why it's why it's why I and a lot of people call him Space Dobbs. He's the man, but uh, he's in a bad situation in in Arizona. And uh, I thought why I almost had Washington minus seven as my as my if I were a bet man segment. Thank God I didn't because that was not impressive. Sam Howell was fine in the second half. He took a brutal hit in the first half, but. Eh. Wasn't wasn't terribly impressed, but a win is a win in the NFL. You got to take them where you can get them. Titans Saints was probably the most unwatchable game in the league in Week One to this point. So certainly we hope Bills and Jets with the rainy conditions won't challenge for that for that dubious honor. But the Titans were bad offensively. Ryan Tannehill threw three picks. What I hated though, and again I get Tannehill struggling. I get it. I get it. I get it. And I know you're playing a great defense. But Tennessee puts together a nice little drive. They're down 16-12. They get inside the 10-yard line. They've got a fourth down and six, and they settle for the three. And Derek Carr, who had a rough afternoon, my man Derek Carr, that's my guy. What I say? There's three quarterbacks I defend like crazy. Dak, Lamar, and Carr. And Carr had, a, had a, kind of an up-and-down afternoon. But that, that pass was it Shahid, I think, who caught the pass down the left sideline. Beautiful throw. By my man Derek Carr's. It's wonderful. So, yes, some good win for the Saints. I got the Saints winning in the NFC South with a 9-8 record. I, I still maintain that. Uh, that was my Bryson's bleak bet game. I gritted my teeth and picked Tennessee. I actually predicted a 27-24 final score. was quite a bit off in that regard because both offenses couldn't do anything. Uh, Panthers-Falcons, again, was, was was kind of a rough watch. I think we're gonna that's going to be a common theme in the NFC South uh, as it is at least in my mind, undoubtedly the worst division of football, and that's even considering the fact that the NFC North was awful yesterday, even the teams that won. But Panthers versus South Falcons, so again, Atlanta, to their credits, they really addressed that defense, particularly the front seven in free agency. They got to Bryce Young. Bryce Young, that offensive line, Carolina, is going to need some, some patching up, whether it be at the trade deadline, whether it be next offseason in March and during free agency and the, the draft in April, uh, and, and then moving forward from there. But this Panthers have some bright spots. They have a good running game. Chuba Hubbard, Bryce Young certainly has talent. There's a reason he's the number one overall pick. I like just about everything about him except for his size, which genuinely concerns me. And uh, he spent a lot of time running for his life yesterday. And Atlanta got, got a lot of pressure. 
Offensively, though, I was not impressed by the Falcons. Desmond Ritter with, what, five minutes left at 100 yards passing. This was a 10-10 game going the fourth quarter, and really it was the Falcons' rush attack that got them the W. So I still don't believe in Atlanta like like many others do. But again, a win is a win. But uh, Desmond Ritter looked every bit like a backup quarterback. Jags, Colts, listen, the man I predicted to be the MVP of the league, Trevor Lawrence, looked great. Looked great. That, that throw to Zay Jones, the throw and catch were both that throw to Zay Jones down the right sideline was incredible. Trevor made either down in the red zone or near the red zone just some freaking darts he was throwing to his guys. It was wonderful to watch. Love seeing it from, from Trevor, who I said this offseason is the third best quarterback in football. And by season's end, I think a lot of folks will agree with me. Not a shot at Allen or Hurts or Lamar or Rodgers or any of these guys. Season's in. We're looking at Mahomes the best, Burrow two, and Trevor Lawrence third. I'm just here to, I'm, I'm the meteorologist. Remember, I, was, I just like played a meteorologist briefly on, on the show. Uh, hope I did a decent job, but listen, those, those, like I said, those people are the best. But I, I, I'm going to be, I'm going to be your, your NFL meteorologist, so to speak. I'm going to predict the future. That Trevor Lawrence is going to be the third best quarterback of football, and he will be the MVP of the league. For Indianapolis, though, with no Jonathan Taylor against a Jags team that is clearly better and clearly has a talent advantage, of the rookie quarterbacks, Anthony Richardson looked the best. Uh, he listened. He had a, the mistake with the interception. He had a play late in the game where he's trying to be aggressive running. Uh, Trevor Lawrence actually told him after the game, I forgot what he said verbatim, but he said something along the lines of, "Hey, take it easy out there. Like, don't don't put yourself in positions to get like concussed or get injured." God bless him. Robert Griffin III had to learn that the hard way. A lot of running quarterbacks have in the past. So. His athleticism, his running ability is absolutely something that could propel him into being a very good NFL quarterback, if not a great quarterback, given his potential. But I was shocked at how, maybe I shouldn't have been, but I was shocked at how comfortable he looked. And Shane Steichen's been one of the better kind of young quarterback whispers in the NFL, given his time with, with Justin Herbert. A better comparison to, J- to Anthony Richardson's Jalen Hurts. He was with him the last few years in Philadelphia. Jalen's evolved into a potential MVP candidate, certainly was last year. And so, listen, Shane Steichen had had my man Richardson looking comfortable, looking looking com- composed and poised. All the good words you want for a rookie quarterback, and he looks solid. Raiders Broncos was an interesting game to watch. Uh, again, most of my most of my attention was towards the Patriots Eagles game and the Chargers Dolphins game, which I'll get into in just a moment. Uh, that was uh, Sean Payton is now the head coach for the Broncos. I couldn't tell a difference. I really couldn't. The fact that he tries the onside kick, you say, well, Bryson, you, you you praise Dan Campbell in that situation going for the onside kick. Yeah, he's on the road in Arrowhead against the defending champs. Of, of course I defend it. A, a fake, uh, I'm sorry, not a fake, an onside kick against a Raiders team that, let's be honest, doesn't have, I love my man, our new addition to the grid, Darian Hopkins, who's starting a Raiders show very soon, is doing a great job with his live streams and network. Not to take a shot at the Raiders, my man, but it isn't like they have a whole lot of momentum Whole lot of excitement coming into 2023. After all, like him, don't love him. Jimmy Garoppolo is their quarterback. Josh McDaniels, worse, you know, even worse than that, is their head coach. Listen, Russell was fine in the first half. Wasn't good in the red zone late in the fourth quarter. Really kind of cost Denver there. And listen, props to Jimmy G. Led that game winning drive. Raiders are one and zero. But if, if you if you if you had never broken the news to me, if I, if I didn't know that Nathaniel Hackett wasn't still there in Denver and Sean Payton wasn't still working at Fox or somewhere else coaching, I, I wouldn't have been able to tell the difference between this year's Broncos team and last year's. It, and now, in Denver's defense, 
Russell's miss, missing some of his weapons. Jerry Judy gone. Tim Patrick gone. But that was a that was a rough performance. I'm not gonna lie to you. Now Russell's pass reading looks good. Didn't turn the ball over to his credit, but Broncos' offense wasn't terribly dynamic. I mean, and there were even some plays. And this is now this is something I guess of the course of the season that can be corrected. But how how often do we limit the fact that Russell is often his, it's kind of his greatest gift and his greatest curse that he's such a great playmaker uh, with his legs in, in the pocket, outside the pocket, uh, running, making plays. But it's it can also be his greatest curse in the sense that we saw last year. I remember vividly a play against the Colts at the end of the game in week five last year where and we saw this today. I think it was Cortland Sutton who was open, wide open, coming across Russell Wilson's uh, face over the middle of the field. And Russell doesn't even look his direction because he's trying to maneuver in and outside the pocket, trying to make plays with his legs. Instead of just standing back there and throwing the, an accurate pass to an open Cortland Sutton. Uh, it's those little things I thought by now Sean Payton might have corrected, and he really didn't. And Russell hasn't adjusted too. So that is something that can improve, but wasn't great. And uh, and finally, Rams-Seahawks. That was one of the more shocking wins t- to me was the Rams who have a bunch of kids, have no depth whatsoever. By the way, no Cooper Cup. And they go into Seattle, one of the toughest places to play in football, and house the Seahawks. I mean, Seattle, offensively, with all those playmakers, with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, Jackson Smith and Jigba, good offensive line, although that could be a concern moving forward because Charlie Cross went down. My man Charlie Cross, uh, who's, who's, who's a good tackle, he went down. Not quite sure what his status is. But Seattle had one single first down, one single solitary first down in the second half. Now, it was funny, too. One of my favorite plays of the day was was Aaron Donald left one-on-one with the Seahawks guard, and Geno Smith takes a snap. 180, hut! Takes, takes a snap, and he sees Aaron Donald. Oh, my God! And then throws it away. He's like, where, where is this guy coming from? Our whole offensive game plan is supposed to be to, to stop 99. He's the best football player in the stadium. And he goes one-on-one, darn near unblocked. But Matthew Stafford, who... Might have had the best quarterback performance of the weekend, in my view. 334 yards. Again, he didn't throw for any touchdowns, but a QBR of 89, uh, pass rating of 91. Uh, again, throwing to 2-2 Atwell. And, uh, I mean, who are these guys? I'm looking at their their the box score. Who are these guys he's throwing to? So it's a, it's a credit to Stafford. It's a credit to Sean McVay. And uh, I still listen. That's part of the reason I had the Rams with more wins than most. A lot of people had Rams winning three, four games, being the Caleb Williams sweepstakes. Some have argued they should. Dalton Brown, who, who who's here at the Grid, is a contributor to the Grid Network, is is a huge LA Rams fan. He's been the proponent of just tanking for Caleb, which for you know, a lot of teams I don't think is a terrible strategy. I think Caleb is a, a generational talent. But this is why I had the Rams at seven wins. Stafford's still a very good quarterback when when healthy. Sean McVay still, in my view, a top five coach in the league. Aaron Donald still the best defensive player in the league until proven otherwise, or not best defensive player, best def- def- defensive tackle in the league and top ten player in the NFL until proven otherwise. And Cooper Cup was my twin. I love Cooper Cup. It was somebody I was thinking, hey, see, maybe he has a bounce back here, comes back healthy, and he's he's back hurt again. So sucks to the Rams, but man, heck of a win, Seattle. That could be. That could be again. I, this is why I say. You never want to overreact to week one because the fact of the matter is week one's kind of a guessing game. You're not quite sure what you're going to get. It's like the, you know, that's the, you know, we should, we should, I just had a light bulb. Week one 
is like how Forrest Gump described chocolate. You know, life is like a box of chocolates. You, you don't know what, which, which one you're going to get. You don't know which, which one you're going to get in week one. What these games look like. Again, you know, seven and eight my picks. Some of that's my own stupidity, but I, I actually felt confident outside of Titan Saints in most of these picks. And I do feel confident tonight's pick. I will tell you that. Going to predict Jets and Bills in just a moment in about 10 minutes or so, maybe six to seven minutes-ish. I wanted to get into Dolphins Chargers, though. So that was actually my upset of the week. It wasn't, I don't think, a huge upset. Chargers were three-point favorites, so it was virtually a pick em. Uh, But that was the biggest dog I predicted. Maybe I just didn't have the guts to pick teams like the Raiders, like my man Ryan Flowers did, or the, you know, I think the Packers. He picked the Packers. Ryan Flowers, his clutch picks of the week were, were pretty good. My Steelers are the ones who, who messed up an undefeated weekend for him. But Dolphins, in what was easily, in my view, the game of the day in week one, Dolphins go on the road to L.A., albeit it probably wasn't that much of a road game. I mean, the Chargers, uh, listen, I joke about the Chargers and the Clippers, kind of the second tier, second fiddle teams in the city of Los Angeles, having, I always say they have, they have 13 fans and the Clippers, you got like, you got Billy Crystal, Marcellus Wylick, nobody's, nobody's a Clippers fan. I actually did see a Clippers fan when I was at Disney World earlier this year, and it was like, a, it was like I'd seen a ghost. But, and then Chargers, uh, Chargers get outnumbered every home game. I mean, when Pittsburgh goes to L.A., they're outnumbered. Chargers are dealing with so many fan issues. You can Google it. They had freaking AI fans in the crowd. They got people who aren't even real <laughs> in the stadium to cheer for the team. Now it was a movie promotion. I did. I, I've seen the trailer for that. I don't want to see that movie. I, I, I don't. I don't want to see that movie. But it was to promote a movie. But it was. Uh, it was still kind of creepy. I'm not gonna lie to you. But. Dolphins went 37 to 30. It was 37 35 was the final score. Yeah, 37 35 Miami. 36 34, rather. Dolphins won 36 34. I apologize. And Tua was spectacular. Tua is a guy who I was very high on coming out of the draft. And then after his first two seasons, I became a little bit more skeptical. Last year, he had his moments. Then he had the injuries. But I even made the case, even with the injuries, he had some moments where wasn't great. I mean, against the Chargers defense in week, was it week 15? It was week 14, week 15 last year on the road in LA with a majority of Miami Dolphins fan base in, in, you know, in the stadium. Chargers were missing, I think, six defensive starters and two was horrible. So there were some moments last year when two was healthy and looked, looked pretty darn pedestrian. But yesterday, probably the best quarterback of the weekend. 466 yards passing. Three touchdowns. Completion percentage was good, by the way. QBR of 87 and a pass rating of 110. Tua, how Tua didn't get a higher pass rating than Jordan Love is beyond me. I guess it was because of the pick, but whatever. Uh, again, didn't get a, a ton of help from his running game, albeit Mike McDaniel, the head coach, was really airing it out. Uh, and really outdueled Justin Herbert. Listen, Herbert had a, a lower pass rating, lower QBR, less passing yards, less touchdowns. And that goes to something that I've talked about, I think more than ever this offseason, that... Coaching in the NFL, coaching in the sport of football as a whole, is so much more importantly, important, not to minimize these other sports, but so much more important than basketball, baseball, hockey, any other sport you want to throw out. It is remarkable what a great coach can do for a player or a team. Tua is a, talent-wise, I think is a middle-tier guy. I don't view him in the same class as Mac Jones. Tua is excellent in, in moving in the pocket. Tua is very accurate. But Tua showed me yesterday, by the way. Dude was uncorking some bombs. 
down the field to Tyreek Hill, who obviously had a ridiculous stat line. Tyreek Hill, uh, 11 catches, 215, two touchdowns was was insane. Um, but it is remarkable what a coach can do for a player. And on the other hand, how much he can hold a player back. Tua's got Mike McDaniel from the Kyle Shanahan system. And what he has done for two... And by the way, I was livid. I was beside myself when the Dolphins fired Brian Flores, who I still believe is a head coach in the NFL and hopefully gets an opportunity pretty soon after this current stint he has in Minnesota as their defensive coordinator. But Mike McDaniel's gotten the best out of Tua. Mike McDaniel's a guy who, with the Dolphins' third-string quarterback... Was it Skylar Thompson was the kid's name? Started in Buffalo against the Bills. Buffalo opens up 17 to nothing, I think the score was. And Miami goes nuts offensively the rest of the game with the third stringer in cold weather as a warm weather team. Miami Daniels scheming guys open, putting two in position to succeed. And then on the other hand, you have Justin Herbert, who I think is undeniably a better talent than Tua. Undeniably. Bigger, bigger arm, uh, probably not quite as accurate to Patua, but he's very accurate. More mobile, more durable, just as good of a leader. Locker room respects him the same way that the Dolphins locker room respects Tua. Justin Herbert's absolutely a better prospect than Tua. And Tua's good. But he's got Brandon Staley, head coach, and he's got Kellen Moore at OC. And you saw the gap in coaching. Brandon Staley, by the way, who's a defensive coach, defensive head coach, it's again, we talk about game plans today a lot. I, I've kind of wanted to drive the point home about how important coaching is in terms of Bill O'Brien had a good plan for New England, attacking the middle of the field where Philadelphia is weak. You had Pittsburgh, who Matt Canada was was drawing up these plays that took a long time to develop against a pass, a great pass versus San Francisco. What are you doing? And then in this case, Brandon Staley. What is the game plan? <laughs> You've got Tyree Kill. The fastest man in pads on planet Earth. And you've got a one-on-one the whole game in man-to-man coverage. Folks, the Los Angeles Chargers ran more man-to-man coverage than any team in football. And they're facing Tyree Kill. Explain that to me. And this is why I said coming into this season, I did strengths and weaknesses for every team in the NFL. For the Chargers, their biggest weakness was two individuals. One of them, the second guy I mentioned, was Kellen Moore. I think you saw that late in the game. I'm not sure what his plan was offensively. Herbert's getting sacked back there. He's not given an opportunity to to give some time to throw to these really good wideouts they have in L.A. But Kellen Moore was a weakness, and Brandon Staley was a weakness. How a coach can end the last two seasons with a loaded roster and a great young quarterback with inexcusable coaching errors. The game against Vegas that cost the Chargers a playoff trip in which he called timeout when the when the Raiders were going to concede to a tie in which both teams would have gotten to the playoffs. And then last year, up 27 nothing, And this is why I defend Dallas not throwing the ball a heck of a lot, not really open up their playbook with Dak. You're up 26 nothing. Why are you having to, to go nuts on the Giants when your defense is playing well? Up 27 nothing, throwing the ball constantly, Instead of just trying to milk out the clock and keeping the, one of the best quarterbacks on earth, Trevor Lawrence, off the field. It's amazing what coaching can do for a player's development, positively and negatively. Tua looked great yesterday. I've been a Tua skeptic. Tua was awesome. 
Awesome. And this this looks every bit like a Dolphins team. I predicted them to make the playoffs, win double-digit games for the first time in I don't know how long. But man, this this is it is maddening to see a coach come in with a game plan and when it's not working, not address it. If there's any if there is any football player on the face of God's green earth that should not be left one-on-one -on -one in man-to-man -man coverage, it is Cheetah. I, I, it, wow. I, I don't get it. And even in that last play, in which, by the way, Tua, to me, his best throw of the day, and he had a lot of great ones, was the fade to Tyreek um, in, in the right corner of the end zone, which gave the Dolphins the lead for good. That was basically the game-winning drive. It was gorgeous. Probably the best throw of the NFL weekend. Why are you leaving Tyreek Hill one-on-one? -on -one? <laughs> it's, it's remarkable to me. Especially, on, I think it was on that drive. It was I think it was third and 10 for Miami. Tyreek's lined out wide. That's the guy that can beat you. I know they have Waddle. I know they have Mostert, who's who's good, you know, catching the ball in the backfield. It, it's just, it, bad coaching is, is I'll use the word again, it's maddening to watch. And we don't often, we, we do, oftentimes coaching, not as much as offensive lines. You know, I have the saying, offensive lines are like the air conditioning systems. You're only noticing them when they're not working. You know, like Orlando Brown was trending on Twitter yesterday, that's not a good... You, you don't want to be trending as an offensive lineman. You don't want to be trending as a referee. You want to be mostly out of sight, out of mind, and just doing your job. And it's... it's You've got a game plan. It's not working. It's third and ten. I, I don't even know what to do with myself right now. I, and I picked the Dolphins to win. So I'm happy the Dolphins won because I picked them, and that was my upset of the week. But when you're watching a player in Justin Herbert, who... And I, again... I'm slowly, slowly starting to buy into Tua. I really am. Love what I'm seeing. Comparing with him and Mike McDaniel, Mike McDaniel, and I love Brian Flores, but Mike McDaniel is getting the best out of Tua. He's playing to his strengths. By the way, Tua is showing off an arm that I didn't know he really had. But it, it's, it sucks to see a player who's good and gets excellent coaching and excellent weapons. Now, not to say Justin Herbert doesn't have good weapons, but it's tough to watch a remarkable prospect, a remarkable talent, who, by the way, is a good kid, good leader, works hard, get handicapped, get handcuffed by a limited offensive coordinator and a terrible head coach. That that game was 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 hard to watch. I'm not I'm not gonna lie to you. Even as somebody who picked as somebody who picked the the Miami Dolphins, so. Listen, Miami's going to be a problem moving forward. Again, knock on wood, Tua stays healthy. That was obviously a huge concern for him last year. I've been a Tua skeptic for the longest time, but folks, that was awesome. By the way, something else too, coaching. Miami's down. What were they down? Uh, it, it was a situation late first half. Let me make sure I get it right because I, I, I want to get this accurate and, and paint the picture of what this was. So, okay, here we go. So, Dolphins have the ball at their own 25, nine seconds left. They are leading, I'm sorry, the game's tied 17-17, okay? So Dolphins got the ball at their own 25, nine seconds left. Almost every team in the NFL, not saying they, sh they shouldn't, but almost every team in the NFL would take a knee there. And Tua takes a shot for Jalen Waddle, completes it for 22, and then at the end of the half, it was underthrown ball, but that might have been part of the strategy. Last play of the half, they take a shot for, for uh, I think it was Tyreek, and J.C. Jackson mauls him, and Miami ends up getting a field goal at the end of the half. That's field goals, three points. Miami won by two. Like it's those little, little plays. Again, that's a nine-second sequence in a 60-minute game that may have changed the outcome. 
coaching is so important, and we I don't think we give enough love. We talk we we often we're 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 looking at the great quarterbacks and these incredible talents at wide receiver, pass rushers, defenses. We do not give enough love to head coaches in the NFL, great ones. We we give criticism to bad ones like Brandon Staley. We don't give enough love to the great ones. So I mean, Mike McDaniel is slowly evolving and slowly developing himself into a great head coach. That that was Tua is not as good as Justin Herbert. He's not. And I and I'm starting to buy into Tua, but he's not as good as Herbert. That was as big of a coaching mismatch as I've ever seen watching the, certainly this weekend. Unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. By the way, briefly, before I get to, to my Jets Bills pick to conclude week one. Great week one, other than the fact my Steelers got destroyed, but we'll bounce back next week against Cleveland. It's Cleveland. It's Pittsburgh owns Cleveland. Uh, I got to say, I was very impressed and very satisfied with what I saw out of those Texas Longhorns, who we know, at least they tend to, in games like this, national TV. This happened last year, by the way, against Alabama, in which they, they host Bama. Bryce Young, reigning Heisman winners coming to town. You lose your starting quarterback to injury Quinn Ewers. But your backup comes in, plays relatively well, and you got a, a slim lead at the end of the game, and Bryce Young does Bryce Young things, goes down the field, Bama wins in a walk-off field goal. And Texas fans feel good because, hey, that's the defending, uh, yeah, they were the defending champs. They were defending runner-up champs, defending Heisman winner. They come in, it took a walk-off field goal to beat us. But Texas, and I was talking about this with the Patriots earlier, like the bar had been set kind of low for Texas football given their history and that it was a lot of moral victories. Hey, we were close. I mean, if we made a few plays here and there, yeah, but she didn't win. I mean, you can take positive from losses. You can, but ultimately it doesn't change the fact you lost the football game. And they go on the road to Alabama. It's getting, it's it's a loud environment in Tuscaloosa at Bryant-Denny Stadium. And Quinn Ewers and that Texas offense put on an absolute clinic on Nick Saban's defense. And I've, listen, I have said all offseason, I don't buy into Alabama. I think they were overrated, overhyped, overranked. And offensively, they kind of showed you that. This is not a Texas defense. They returned, I think... I think the Texas Texas might have returned every single starter. No, no, no. They lost. Uh, they lost the one linebacker in the draft. I think, but Texas brings back a lot of their starters from last year, particularly on the defensive side of the ball. And and Jalen Milrow, who I said coming into the season, I don't buy. He's not exactly the 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 successor to Bryce Young that you want. He had some bad decisions. That interception in the fourth quarter was brutal. But props to Texas. Props to Steve Sarkeesian. And I think Nick. Listen, Nick Saban. I I think is. I'm not even sure really if it's even a debate or a conversation about him being the greatest college football coach ever. That's now, th- remember, Saban went through that streak from like 07, I think 07 is when he became the Bama head coach, to 2020 where he didn't lose to an assistant. He's now lost to three within the last 21 months. Twenty No, 20 months, rather. College football's kind of caught up to Alabama to a certain extent, whether that be with recruiting, whether that be with the fact that while Saban has embraced uh, offense more, you know, obviously, excuse me, in Nick Saban, earlier early in Nick Saban's career, he could win national championships with not to take shots at these guys, but with Jake Coker's and A.J. McCarron's. Now you got to win with Bryce Young's and with Jalen Hurts's and with Tua's. And now he has Jalen Milrow, who is limited as a passer. He is. I said it last year. I, I, I didn't like what I saw from him. I said if he was Bama's guy, Bama was not going to win the SEC West. LSU would. And I still feel pretty confident about that today. So that loss obviously didn't damage Bama's division chances because LSU's, I'm sorry, because Texas is at least for one more year in the Big 12. But impressive win by the Longhorns. 
Go on the road, get it done. By the way, briefly, and I'll talk about this more on Friday when during the Vol View at 6.30 Eastern on Friday's show, but Tennessee, not a great showing against Austin P. Only won 30-13 as a 48-point favorite, but on the bright side, uh, I think I, I look at it in the sense of, hey, it's kind of a look-ahead look type of, of situation where you got Florida next week in the swamp, haven't beaten them there in 20 years, and he, he overlooked Austin P. And offensive, you know, we talk about timing, particularly with Joe Burrow and the Bengals being off. The timing with Milton and the wide receivers for Tennessee was just not there. Sometimes it was inaccurate passes. Sometimes they just weren't on the same page. So that's something they're going to have to get cleaned up before, before Florida. But uh, <clears throat> Tennessee by 20. Okay, so... Big Monday night matchup tonight. First Monday night game of the season. Cannot wait. Very excited. Again, we'll see what the weather situation is moving forward at uh, at, at MetLife Stadium. Uh, but I still, given the given where I had the score, I still feel good about it. So uh, if we can get the background music going right now to uh, to to uh, go and kick this thing off, Monday night football in 2023. Here we go. We've got the Buffalo Bills. And we've got the New York Jets. Bills on the road in MetLife Stadium, or as Aaron Rodgers dubbed it, JetLife Stadium. Two and a half point favorites uh, in the Meadowlands, obviously in a building where a New York team still has yet to score a touchdown, courtesy, of course, of the Dallas Cowboys doing what they did to the New York Giants. The Jets will obviously, I, bold prediction, the Jets are going to put points on the board. So I don't have to worry about that, uh, Jets fans and Jets Nation. My guys, John, John, and Alfred, and uh, Barry Grant Jr., who's a closet Jets fan. Uh, but listen, Bills are a two-and-a-half-point favorite in this game against the Jets on the road. Here's what I'm looking at. So, folks know I predicted the Jets to win the division by one game over the Miami Dolphins, get to the playoffs. I had the Bills. That was kind of my bid, my big, my boldest prediction in terms of, of, of playoff standings. Uh, I said the Bills would not make the playoffs. I don't know if anything really at all other than knocking wood, God bless him, DeMar Hamlin, you know, being miraculously healed by the incredible medical professionals and by incredible prayers and support. Other than that awesome thing, I don't think anything good came out of the Buffalo Bills offseason. You have the Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, weird sort of drama. They lose Edmonds, the linebacker, in free agency. Their defensive coordinator, Leslie Frazier, just disappears in the middle of the night, just leaves, retires, fire. I, I don't know what the situation is. He's just gone. Like, all of a sudden, there's no Leslie Frazier. Where'd Leslie Frazier go? He's gone. So that's now two coordinators lost in the last two seasons. Buffalo's offensive line, they still can't get it right. They struggled against my Steelers, albeit it was the preseason. We saw what the Steelers looked like. But their offensive line, Buffalo's against Pittsburgh in that preseason game, was atrocious. And outside of Stephon Diggs, I tried to buy into Gabe Davis after that four-touchdown game against Kansas City. Gabe Davis is more of a three than he is a two. Buffalo's running game isn't great. And we know the Jets' defense tends to feast on... I mean, they feast on Josh Allen last year when we we did have high expectations of the Bills and little to no expectations of the Jets, at least in the offensive side of the ball. Speaking of the Jets' offense, a big reason I think this game is going to be close. So I talked about the Bills' offensive line. The Jets is either the equivalent of that or worse. Jets have a good, as good of a roster as we have in the National Football League. They add Aaron Rodgers, who isn't the Aaron Rodgers of old, but will bounce back, in my view, from probably the worst season of his career last season, his last year in Green Bay. You have Garrett Wilson. You have Uzama, who I think is a good tight end. Your running game's good with Brees Hall and with Dalvin Cook. We know how good the Jets' defense is, led by Sauce Garner, Quinton Williams. Uh, you got, uh, what's his name, C.J. Mosley as well in that defense. D.J. Reed, who's talking about they're the 85 Bears. I think that's a bit of a stretch. But the Jets' defense is excellent. Robert Saul is an excellent head coach. I would take Robert Saul today over Sean McDermott. 
Oh my gosh. Um, this was one of the toughest games, if not the toughest game for me to predict. Here's what it came down to. While Buffalo's chemistry is a real thing, and I under, I genuinely understand, I don't believe in the Bills this season, but I do understand why they're favorites in this game. This, to me, is going to be a situation where both quarterbacks are going to be under pressure a lot, given their, the, the limitations of the defensive lines of both squads. I just trust the Jets, and I trust the play calling of the Jets. I can't believe I'm saying that about Nathaniel Hackett, of all people. But I trust the Jets' play calling to be unlike my Steelers, who also have a below-average offensive line, and were facing an even better defensive line than what these two teams are facing, and didn't make adjustments in terms of the fact that they had these long development developmental plays with Kenny Pickett taking forever, receivers taking forever to get in and out of their, their routes. That's not going to be the case with the Jets. I will take the Jets to win this game, to get the upset, 26 to 22. That line says Bills minus two. It's changed now to Bills minus two and a half. Uh, it's kind of fluctuated in that in that ballpark. I will give the Jets to win. By the way, something else too. I think this is a a a. It's I don't want. I know it's week one. I understand this, but a sneaky must win for the Jets, given the fact they're going to Dallas on short rest next week. I know Aaron Rodgers owns the Cowboys, but the Giants' offensive line is better than the Jets. And Dallas abused them. What will they do to the New York Giants or to the New York Jets next week? And then obviously Patriots. He'll take care of the Patriots. Then he got Chiefs, Broncos defense, and then the Eagles. So this first six game, I've talked about it all offseason, ever since the schedule came out. This six game stretch for the New York Jets is real. It is legit. It is hard. The this has got to be one of the games they win, and you know, in order to take this division, if they win their first place in the division because they beat a divisional opponent. Once again, I have the Jets winning this game, twenty six. To 22 over the Buffalo Bills. I sure hope I'm right because I, I, I'd like to get to 500 to start my to, to start this year predicting football games. I, I'd like to like to be able to have that notch on my belt, uh, to say the least. At uh, least, real quick before we get out of here, too. God, there's just been so many topics. It is so good. It is so good to have football back. It is so good to have actual. My man Ryan Flowers, who did a fantastic job yesterday, Clutch Sports Talk every Sunday morning on the grid network and please subscribe to his channel as well. But Ryan was talking about this yesterday on, on his show. And I've talked about it before leading up to the season as well. I'm not like against or anti talking about storylines and what ifs. And he said this and they did this. And man, I just want to talk about the games that, that at the end of the day, that's what the NFL is founded upon. It's founded on football games. It's founded on on exciting you know, matchups like this. Bills, Jets, can't imagine the, the, the number that it will get by ABC, ESPN. I, me, personally, I'm going to watch the Manning cast. Nothing against Joe Buck and Troy Aikman, but I'm going to watch the Manning cast with, with Peyton and Eli. Got a couple solid guests coming on their show tonight. I'll watch their uh, their breakdown of this game live on ESPN2, just for the record. But uh, it's so good to have football back. But real quick, uh, Colorado's 2-0. The, the, the Coach Prime haters are, are, are real quiet. I, I don't hear them saying nothing. Now, listen, Colorado's not going to go out and win the national championship. They're not going to. I'm not even. I don't even think they're going to win the Pac-12. I think USC is the favorite. I think you got Washington, Oregon, and and Utah as well. Utah barely escaping with the win over Baylor. But again, culture change is unbelievable. You saw that they compared the. Last, I saw a thing comparing the last Colorado game of the season, the attendance compared to the home opener against Nebraska. It's night and day. 
And I think in that first quarter for Colorado, you kind of saw a little bit of listen. These are college kids. These are, these guys are my age. Sometimes if something goes right for us, we buy into the hype. Maybe you know uh, what what is Drake? Drake has the line. Uh, don't 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 get in the hype and start to backpedal. Something like that. Uh, oh no! Don't get hyped for the moment, then start to backpedal. That's what Drake said uh, in in Views, which was his best album, by the way. But that's kind of what Colorado did in the first quarter. And after that, Shador, after they got that turnover, Nebraska's quarterback really struggled and has struggled turning the football over. I think Sims was his name, but Shador was money. Uh, that two point conversion that ended up being ruled no good because the ball hit the turf before it was secured. That Shador made where he's avoiding uh, defensive linemen. It's it's. Yeah, Shador, I, I still maintain Shador is the third-best quarterback in college football and is a top-ten pick in next year's draft if he opts to enter the draft. And again, that will be his first time playing under a coach who's not dad. So that's why I think there's a possibility he potentially comes back to Colorado. That, and not just to play with his dad, but also maybe puts himself in position to be the number one pick in 2025 because Caleb's the no-doubt number one pick this year. And, and and also an opportunity to kind of build Colorado's culture, but they look good. Uh, where are they ranked now? Because Colorado, they got Colorado State. Colorado's 18th in the country. How about that? Moved up seven spots. Listen, we, we keep receipts here. I thought Colorado would be in the conversation to make a bowl game. I really did around six and six. And I said within two years, this is before they announced that they were moving to the, the Big 12 next year. I said within two years they could compete for and win the, the Pac-12 because Dion can ch- change culture that quick. He can recruit that well. He can coach clearly that well. Even I underestimated Dion, and I love Dion. I, I, I bought into Colorado Prime since this happened, but even I underestimated the man. So Colorado, by the way, they'll beat Colorado State next week. They're a 22-point favorite, and then they got a big national TV game against Oregon. So they got some tough games they're scheduled, but I think they'll go in that Oregon game 3-0. They'll beat Colorado State on Saturday night. All right. Also, before we get out of here, just real quick, uh, again, I announced yesterday uh, on Friday's show that on Carving It Up, we we just surpassed 200 subscribers, and we're just we're building and growing from from that point on. Thank you so much to all those who have who have clicked that big red subscribe button, as I say, and took two seconds out of their day to do so. But as I said on Friday, we've got a goal. I've got a goal on Carving It Up Live to get to 1,000 1,000 subscribers. By Super Bowl 58, which is February 11th, I believe. So 1,000 subscribers by February 11th. We've got a little under 200 days to do so, but I believe we can do it. So if you've subscribed, thank you so much. Please contact somebody else who has not subscribed. Tell them, hey, takes you two seconds. Just go to Carving It Up. Hit that big red subscribe button. If you have not subscribed, please do so. Helps the channel grow exponentially. So, uh... Yeah, like I said, we got a big goal. That's that's, that's what we do. We, we swing for the fences on carving up live, and we swing for the fences on the grid network. That's what we do. So I'm not I'm not trying to I'm not trying to be Ichiro. I'm trying to be Barry Bonds here. Okay, and I love Ichiro, by the way. Just using that as an analogy. All right, that is all the time we have for today's show, and it was a loaded show. Week one, NFL. Week two, crazy stuff happening. College football. This is gonna be a fun next five months. I just it was so nice to just sit down at one o'clock until 1 o'clock because I'm on the East Coast, until 11.30 and do nothing but watch football. Nothing but watch football. It was wonderful. So uh, obviously we'll have more talk football to talk about. And Wednesday, again, I got, we'll put up the final score one more time. I got the Jets 26 over the Bills 22. Jets get the upset at home. 
But like I said, be sure to catch Carving It Up Live on Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific time, right here on the Carving It Up YouTube channel, the Grid Network YouTube channel, and on Twitter. And again, like I said, we're trying to get to 1,000 subscribers, so you know what to do. Like, share, comment. Take two seconds out of your day and just hit that big red subscribe button. That's all I got to do. It's that easy. That's all I got to do. And be sure to go subscribe to the Grid Network. That is G-R-Y-D, the Grid Podcast Network, right here on YouTube, as well as any and everywhere you get your favorite podcast, be it Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, any and everywhere you get your favorite podcast. And last but certainly not least, tomorrow night, 8 Eastern, 5 Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific Time, just to clarify, the 8 o'clock spot will be Episode 6 Thus far, the new game show added to the Grid Network. I am the moderator. I hold all the power in terms of point totals. We got some some crazy takes. We got a, a lot of you know f- fun and, and 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 joking around. And it, it's it's the best game show in all of sports media. With all due respect to Around the Horn and any other sports game show, this is the spot to be the eight o'clock spot, eight Eastern, five Pacific time tomorrow night on the Grid Network's YouTube channel and on the Grid Network's uh, Twitter page as well. So. Check out 8 o'clock spot tomorrow. We got a good one dialed up, especially following week one. Uh, I, I, who knows what the takes going to be like? I, I, I'm the host. I don't even know what the takes are going to be like. It's going to be incredible. Please tune in 8 Eastern, 5 Pacific time. Tell your friends about it too. The 8 o'clock spot. Everybody's invited. So very, very excited about that and where it is progressing. All right. Week one's almost done. Bills, Jets tonight. Can't wait to watch. I'll see you on Wednesday to react to this game and to predict the Vikings-Eagles game and talk about more NFL headlines. But hope everybody has a great week. Please continue to stay safe. Please be sure to take care of your physical as well as your mental health. And please, please, please be sure to contact your local state representatives and senators to demand change for gun violence in America. And also, too, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up the fact that today is obviously the 22-year anniversary of the attacks on September 11th. Uh, just want to take a moment to remember those who lost their li- lost their lives, the heroes um, who gave it all up. And uh, let's uh, – Congress, and you know who I'm referring to, let's work on giving these incredible men and women their benefits while they're still with us and give them the proper respect and the rights that they deserve – and have earned as some of the best of us here in this great country. So God bless them. And let's not forget those um, who were lost in, uh, in the attacks of September 11th. So we got a game tonight. We got Bill's Jets. I'm going to go up and watch it 30 minutes from now. Here we go. See you on Wednesday. God bless you all. Peace out. I hope I come to you happier, though, with some some Steelers games. Jeez. Thanks so much for watching the show on YouTube, and be sure to go click that big red subscribe button and check out the other clips and full shows from Carving It Up Live as well as our other incredible content creators here on the Grid Network.